We do that by staying close to him. You know, there are victories to be won for Christ, for family, for our stale friends, and for those in our community. Saul, a persecutor of Christians, received a victory on Damascus Road and became a man of God, establishing churches throughout Asia Minor. And we, too, are called to flourish for God, using our abilities for Christ. No two persons are the same, but we've all been given talents to share. Two weeks ago, our message centered on one desire should move from should to want. I should want to read the Bible. I just shouldn't read it. I should want. I want to read the Bible. From I should attend church to I want to attend. From I should do this to I want to do this. Flourishing for God comes from an inner desire to want to. Not just should. And that's a victory when you move from should to want. And our scripture text today comes from the writings of the Apostle Paul. Who wanted to serve Christ. He wanted to share the gospel message. Paul had established the church in Ephesus for years. On his, well, on his first missionary journey, he established the church in Ephesus. And then later he went back for two to three years to stay there because he wanted to teach them how to be the church. And he wrote this letter from when he was in prison in Rome to remind them to be following after the Lord. And in this letter, Paul assures the church in that day in Ephesus the fact that Christ is what Christ had provided for them. And today's readers, too, can follow that line of thought and logic. Paul's ministry with them was short-lived. And as people, they had to carry out the ministry of Christ on their own. Several years ago, when I was in New York City on a United Nations trip, you know, the youth here in North Carolina and other yearly meetings used to go on a trip to, to New York City annually around Thanksgiving. And I got to go on a few of those trips. And on one of those trips when we went, we landed at the LaGuardia Airport, and this bus driver picked us up to take us to Milford Plaza, the um, motel, uh, Milford Plaza Hotel, where we were going to stay downtown New York. And that bus driver was the most energetic bus driver I have ever met. When he was driving down from the airport to where he was going to drop us off, he was still looking for people to pick up. And he would be driving along and he'd be looking and all of a sudden he'd pull to the curb and he'd pick somebody up. And he'd be driving down a little bit and he'd pick somebody else up. And I was sitting close enough to the front that he says, you know, you can see it in people's eyes. Those that are running late. Those that need a ride. Those that need help. All you've got to do is look and you'll see it in their eyes. There's a hopelessness in their eyes. And when you see it, when I see it, he said, I know to pull over and stop and help them. And, you know, he started a community on that bus of all of us high school kids and some of the leaders by just spreading his joy by helping this person and this person and this person. And there were, after we drove a little ways, there were people 
that were there riding with him that would say, there's one, there's one, there's another one. Stop and pick them up. He created a contagious joy to help there be victories in the lives of other people. And there were even riders on that bus that were with us that would stay on the bus two stops after they were to get off just because they wanted to be with that bus driver. And they'd walk back to where they were supposed to get off. He was an absolute delight. Let's look for people that need God's help, that need our help. What happened to that shuttle bus driver can happen to any of us. Sometimes it does happen. Maybe you help a homeless person. You're patient with someone in distress. Maybe you lose yourself in a piece of music or in a passage of scripture or in a conversation across the table. You just get lost and caught up in that. Maybe you get caught up in some art. You fall in love. You express some compassion. You give a sacrificial gift. And you begin to discover what God has put in you. You begin to find that peace to the puzzle you've been looking for. What God has created and given you all your life. And you just start to find it. You get a glimpse of the way God intended you to flourish. To be his victory. Just like that bus driver. He found his desire for God. Was to bring help to those that looked hopeless. That were running late. That needed to go from point A to point B. We all need to get from point A to point B in our spiritual lives. Every one of us. And we can help each other. You have to make the change from should to want. And as you do, you get a glimpse for the moment of why God has made you. God knows your full potential, and he's guiding you towards the very best version of you all the time. He really is. God just doesn't make you and forget about you. Friday evening, Darlene and I went down to one of the local football games. Randleman was playing Ashboro down in Ashboro, and one of our youth was playing on the Randleman team. So we decided to go down and watch the game because one of our youth were, was, was playing quarterback. He's not here today. He's up in Ohio at a wedding, uh, Timothy York. But the game didn't start out too well for Randleman. They got behind 33-7, to seven, and something started clicking. They started winning small victories, a good block, another good block. Ashborough didn't make it very far down the field. A block punt. Finally, as the game went on, and more victories for Randleman's side were a success, not for Ashborough, but for Randleman, they ended up winning the game 42 to 39. Now, that's not so important, but it's the small victories along the way that are important when we try to achieve our best for God the small victories that we have every day when we pray for someone, when you help someone, the small victories make a big difference in your life as you find out who God has created you to be and as you help others. 
you get a glimpse of why God made you. Small victories in the whole plan of life. Why do parents train their children to learn to read? To learn the ABCs so they can get to the next place. So they can have a victory and success here to get to the next place. Why do you teach them to go to the, use a potty? Because you want them to learn. You want them to get to the next place. Of course, you don't want to have to take care of all that yourself, but still, you're trying to train someone to get to the next place. Trying to provide hope. Trying to provide strength. Small victories occur in our lives. It's important you get to know God, to read his word, to believe in him and follow him. For we are God's handiwork, created in advance to do his work. Created in advance. God already knows what he wants us to do. If we will just get closer to him and put our best foot forward. God made you to flourish. He made all of us to flourish. To receive life from outside of ourself. Creating vital vitality within yourself and producing blessings beyond yourself. Flourishing for God. Using his gifts and his plans. The scripture was clear. It's in advance. He's already planned it for you. Understand flourishing is not measured by outward signs such as income, prestige, possessions, ascending the ladder. It is not measured by the number of home runs one hit, big churches, or even a big, being a CEO. Flourishing means becoming the person God has in mind and then giving that your full attention. Flourishing means moving towards God's best version of you. Our verse of the week was the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will flourish in the courts of God. As you grow in Christ, as you grow in scripture reading, as you grow in your prayer life, you'll be moving towards the best version God has for you. Darlene's grandfather, and I think I've shared this before, he used to say when you were having a bad day or things weren't going quite right or things were going pretty poorly for you, he'd just come up and flip that devil right off your shoulder. And that's exactly what he'd say. And sometimes we've got to get rid of the negativity so we can see the positive, so we can see what God actually has for us. Flourishing means moving towards God's best version of you. An acorn... Can it become an oak? Can it become a um, a squash plant? An acorn not going to become a squash plant. Can a zucchini seed become a maple tree? No, they can't do that. Now, an acorn can become a stunted acorn tree, or it can become a tall, flourishing tree. God did not create you to be anything else. Your uniqueness is God's design. Some days we get behind. Some games we might lose. But we're still to be the best we can be. Some people think if they seek to grow spiritually, they're going to have to become something else. Have you ever thought that? 
If I become too spiritual, I'm going to become something else. I'm going to have to become a missionary. I'm going to have to become a preacher. I'm going to have to become a Sunday school teacher. That's not the way it is. God's not going to discard your raw material. He may want to redirect it. But before Paul met Jesus, he was a brilliant, passionate zealot who persecuted those who followed him. And after he met Christ, he was a brilliant, passionate zealot who sacrificed himself for the Lord. Before we moved to North Carolina, there was a mother in the church where I was serving in the congregation. And she was just beside herself trying to raise her daughter. And I met the family when the daughter was in, uh, when the daughter was in high school. But she relayed this story to me when her daughter was about four years old. And the mom says, I knew I was in trouble when my daughter was four years old. She was outside riding her tricycle, and I had scolded her several times to stay inside of the house where I could see her. But she didn't do that. So she set down some additional rules. She said, Shauna, you can't ride past this tree, and you can't go past the end of the driveway on your tricycle. If you do, I'm going to spank you. And you know what Shauna did? She got off her tricycle, backed up to her mom, bent over, and said, go ahead and spank me now. I got places to go and things to do. A four-year-old. Shauna grew up, and when she received Christ, she, um, was in, she was in high school, a high school sophomore, and she started Bible studies in high school, and she started passing out Bibles to her friends. Here, this girl is a sophomore in high school, and look what she was accomplishing. She had a drive within her that couldn't be matched. She's serving children in Mexico now as a youth minister. The drive. She wasn't about to reduce the drive that God had placed in her. She let it develop. And she began to serve in ways that's changing lives of other people. But her mom knew, and her parents knew when she was four years old that they had a lot of challenges before them. Her DNA did not change. She was still the same person all through her life. She throws herself into what she wants to do. God made her that way. And he's made you in a particular way. How has he made you to serve? How has he made you to make Arsdale friends better? How has he made you to make your community better? What has he put in you that you're not using yet as an untapped reservoir? God doesn't make anything and decides to throw it away. He creates, and if there's a problem, he rescues. God is in the restoration business. He's in the redeeming business. He's in the directing business. Are you listening? Are you paying attention? Are you following? Look at the story of the lost sheep in the New Testament. 99 sheep in a pen the shepherd had. He leaves those to go look for one that is lost. 
Look into people's eyes. Do they have hope? Or do they have or are they feeling hopeless? What's your response? Jesus helped many people along the way. Whether we're in Haiti, whether we're in Archdale, whether you're in Raleigh, whether you're in High Point, there are people who need you, need your love, and need your hope. What has God put in you? What's your DNA makeup to share that with others? We should be in the redemption business. There are so many people who need hope today. Oscar Parcel, a fellow that I met in Wilmington, Ohio, he was a, an elder, um, a, a Quaker, and not that that makes any difference. But he said something one time that has always stuck with me. And he said, if every person, if every person that's a Christian kept one person out of the state penitentiary, how much different our world would be. I think that's a pretty good statement. If we all would work at finding someone who has little hope and help them stay out of the penitentiary, what a difference our community, our world would be. Know that the Lord God himself, it is he who made us and not we ourselves. He's given you a DNA and a makeup. And here is the good news. When you flourish, you become you. You become more of that person God had in mind when he created you. Remember when he uh, created Jeremiah? Jeremiah didn't feel like he was able to talk or do anything. And God said, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were formed in the womb. God knows you before you were ever formed in the womb. And he created you to do things for him, for your community, for your church, for those who are hopeless in our area. You may become holier as you grow closer to God, but you most certainly will become youer in the image of God. You will change. God wants to make new creations to give you victory one at a time. One at a time. But new does not mean completely different. Victory does not mean winning a World Series or even a basketball game or parachuting from an airplane. It means a victory in becoming more like God wants you to be one step at a time. Several years ago, Darlene and I inherited some unbecoming chairs from a pastor friend of mine, and I just couldn't get rid of them. I'd sat at them. I'd prayed with the missionary, the pastor, uh, the church where I grew up, Dorothy Pittman. And they were red and gold fabric. They might have been becoming to some people, but they weren't becoming to us. And we kept them for, for several years. I even had them in the office at Center Friends where I pastored for a while. We didn't, well, that's where we put them. And finally we got them recovered. They looked new and fresh. And the guy that did the upholstery 
also touched up all the wood on them and put in new little tabs so it would look real plush and nice. They sit in our fireplace room. Refinished. Restored. Renewed. Usable. Where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you in a restore mood? Do you need to be refreshed? Today's the day to make the step and ask God to help you be renewed and restored.